episode number 61, Lines, Precepts, and Small Moments. I am your host, Damon Soka. I sat in my car early this week on my way to work, listening to conference talks. I have an hour drive to work, and so it is a good time to think about life before life comes at me too fast to think. I happened to be listening to Elder Bednar's talk from this last conference. It was a good talk about preparation, but it's funny how sometimes you hear and find things outside of the main message. Today was one of those days. He quoted a scripture that I must have read and heard at least a hundred times in my life. It's in 2 Nephi 28.30. It's the line upon line and precept upon precept scripture that basically says, in the Lord's eyes, learning is best done at a reasonable pace and by building upon what you already know. The idea that the Lord didn't bring forth the Book of Mormon and the Doctrine and Covenants and the entire church the same day attests to the thought that we need revelation staggered and tiered rather than all at once. We need time to assimilate, practice, fix errors, and practice again. The idea of continuous, paced, and tiered learning was certainly not anything new to me. I get it. It takes time to build belief into an undeviating action, and you just can't do that all at once. It's one of those common-sense scriptures, when you really think about it. However, that morning, something hit me a little different about that scripture, especially thinking about this podcast and the idea of mental illness. Mental illness is not something that you tackle all at once. It might come at you that way, but the adjustment to the illness takes time. You begin by learning about the disease, those things that trigger episodes, your own capacity to fight back. Then you begin taking steps to manage it. Sometimes things work well, other times not, and still other times what once worked well doesn't anymore, and you have to adjust or start over. It is constant, persistent, difficult work. Work where the end is never really in sight, but you learn to carry the load a little better, or get someone to carry it with you, or you lighten the load by watching what you eat, your stress levels, exercising, therapy, and so many other forms of treatment. But the load is always there, heavy or light, day or night, large or small. It is there when you wake up, and there when you go to sleep, and even sometimes you dream about it. What I found most interesting about that scripture this mo- that morning is that I had always equated the line upon line with more of a cerebral theory knowledge, scriptural understanding, book learning I had to put into practice myself. I had always thought of it something I would receive by my own efforts and study and then had to put into practice very methodically. I had never thought about it in the context of mental illness. I'd never thought of it as being given a lifelong illness so that I could develop my life line upon line and precept upon precept. I do not ever think that I ever really thought of mental illness as incremental and tiered learning. Meaning that not only was the knowledge to come to me piecemeal, but that it would build upon itself. Uh, To be honest, I had always thought about mental illness as a trial to be endured with a smile on your face, and then be grateful for the day when I would be relieved of its burden. Sure, I had learned many things about myself, and I'm sure you've heard these in the podcasts. I learned about my emotions, the illness, how my brain interacts with the spirit, 
my compassion for others, sensitivities to others' needs, discernment when others are suffering. But I'd always place those benefits to the disease, just the result of endurance, not a tiered learning program where the Lord used the illness to bring about ever deeper and more meaningful lessons in my life, character development, and spiritual maturity. I fought the illness for so long, wanting to be relieved of its symptoms, that I barely recognized the benefits, much less its ability to train the heart and mind. Now, my focus was always on removing the suffering, not what I was learning in the process, or perhaps even what the Lord wanted me to learn. Pain is a terrible master, whether that is consistent emotional pain and suffering, or physical pain and suffering, or even at times both. Its relentless presence consumes every moment of one's life. My whole life at times has become about pain management. It pushes me to the very brink of the cliff, just far enough to look over. It holds me back when life's recreational joys come to call. It stops my physical progress and forces me to ask for help. And in my case, the word forcefully is used very purposefully. I tend not to want to ask for help. Okay, I I just really, really don't like it. I've always assumed it to be a product of a pioneer ancestor mother and a southern father who both knew the value of work. I found joy in work in seeing the results of my progress. I have been in the construction industry most of my life, And in that world, progress is far more easily defined and observable. And now I am currently reduced at times to asking my 17-year-old son to carry a ladder down the stairs for me. I did that the other night, by the way. Mental illness, physical illness, and the like changes and teaches us in so many ways that we cannot learn by any other means. It can be the blueprint to learning the Beatitudes, to development of charity, to the development of increased spiritual capacity and maturity. And the Lord can even alter it to teach us very specific lessons, or perhaps even more broad concepts. Yet the lessons we learn with mental illness are so difficult to quantify, even harder to see, and sometimes cannot be explained as more than a change of heart, desire, or nature. They are painful, and the moments of learning, especially mental illness moments, are the moments we really don't want to remember. In those moments, we are most vulnerable, childlike, dependent, and perhaps even more humble. Those moments often feel as though we are furthest from our Savior and more alone and lost than we have ever been. The mists of darkness feel more like the ashes of a volcano choking the soul than a simple dense fog. The moments are anything but peaceful, joyful, or what I, have, what I had always perceived to be learning was to be. I think in our line and precept moments of learning, we expect the spirit to be strong, the evidence to be clear, the light to be shining, and the Lord to be standing by. Now, given that assumption, at least on my part, I have learned from the scriptures doctrine that has provided some wonderful moments of clarity, but I am sure that they have not created quite the same learning as those moments of pain darkness, and excruciating suffering. I can tell you what I learned from the doctrine without the suffering. I can explain concepts more clearly and simply, but it is so much more difficult to quantify those excruciating moments pleading for help and how they have changed more than concepts and thoughts.
Now, I can see over time that my illness has worked in my life for good. I can see the change in me over the years and over time. I know that great benefit has come in spiritual and emotional maturity, stamina, and loyalty to the Lord's cause. Somehow I wish when all of this started that I could have seen what I would learn and become so that I could understand the reasons why. But I suppose in many ways that just really isn't possible. How do you explain the smell of the ocean to someone who's never experienced it? We cannot know things just by concept and theory. We have to know them by experience. We have to feel the salt water, feel the itch of it on our dry skin, see the tiny insects bounce all over the sand when a log is lifted. We need to smell the seaweed and touch the sand. Reading a book really only goes so far. Doctrinal concept can only really produce limited results. We need much more than doctrinal understanding. We need to feel, see, act, and know for ourselves. Now, as I look at most of the major Christ-like attributes in the scriptures, including faith, hope, charity, and the Beatitudes, you can see a pattern. They require more than the understanding of just the theory and the concept. They require practice and experience. And not practice and experience in pristine laboratory conditions where everything is controlled and known. The experience must come with obstacles, meaning a call to serve might come when you think you can't handle one more thing. A child needs comforting, although you are probably far more broken than the child, or giving your last measure of strength and desire to reach out to a friend who needs help. Sure, I can understand the idea and definitions behind charity found in Moroni 7. It is not hard to understand, for instance, the phrase is not easily provoked at a level of concept. Actually, the idea is even fairly easy to apply when no emotion is involved and you aren't tired, thirsty, or hungry. You can probably take some abuse you don't deserve and just shake it off, especially when someone it is someone you don't know and really don't care about their opinion of you, meaning someone is provoking you at a distance and you're probably prepared for it. But the scripture is not limited to those events. There are no conditions to the scripture that say not easily provoked, except when you are cut off in traffic, your ex calls and berates you, or your boss publicly humiliates you. Not easily provoked means just that, under all conditions. That means even when you are an adult and your parents start in on you again about the same things they always do, your emotions are running high and their emotions are running high and some words have been said and they turn to you and say those words that sends fire through your body and every and with every fiber of your being you want to lash out and hit back. At that moment, are you not easily provoked? At that moment, can you turn and find compassion and love for your parents and try to understand what they are saying? The Lord already knows what we can handle. And he doesn't really need evidence of what we can handle. What he needs for us is to be put in situations we are, where we are pushed to our limits, to test the limits of those characters, characteristics under pressure. And sometimes that means extreme pressure. I can think of no better pressure cooker than mental illness. Mental illness is a great place to test and deepen our character training. What better way to see who you really are and where your loyalties rest by making it difficult to go to church, hear the Spirit of the Lord clearly, or read the scriptures, or really desire to do anything good? 
or even limit your emotional capabilities and capacities. The Lord knows that you can handle the world at full strength. However, you would learn very little, and strangely, when we are learning less, we have a tendency to stray more. Meaning, when we don't have significant trials for a longer period of time, the lack of a trial can become a trial on its own. When we aren't under some pressures, we have a tendency to wander and think less about spiritual matters. Comfort and plenty bring their own trials to spiritual development. Now, I know what you're thinking, because I've been there. Fine, I get it. But I could certainly use just a short period of that comfort and plenty trial. I know the feeling. But sometimes when we wander, even for short periods of time, there's danger we will not return. I'm not saying that we need to be under a constant crushing weight, but some pressure is a good thing. Then for me, there is the other side of the coin. I did not come out of those deeply troubled mental illness experiences feeling very whole and complete, feeling as though I have learned a great lesson. I often felt less complete than when I started. Bruised, broken, battered are just some of the verbs I would choose to use, and those verbs are mild. My learning experiences have never really felt like learning experiences. Maybe I have some incorrect assumptions and perceptions about what a learning experience should be on this earth, and I probably should have been given a clue when I read that the Savior learned by the things that he suffered. Learning by suffering does not sound like a classroom lab experience. It feels, it sounds more like a shoe in a dryer, tumbling in the darkness, constantly being thrown against some harder object, not really understanding the purpose of the hot air, the darkness, and the beating. So often learning does not feel like learning, and we don't perceive it to be a learning experience. I do not think that I have ever said once after one of my episodes subsided, wow, that was a great learning experience. I can see it now. I can see that learning experience now that I'm in a more distant future. But then, my feelings were not about learning. Surviving? Yes. Learning? No. I suppose that learning comes in many ways, and often we perceive the pain and suffering rather than the learning. I did for a long time, and still do on occasion. There is no mirror to show me my charity level or my thinketh-no-evil level, and no way to understand how those levels have changed. The building of character traits changes the whole construct and the measurement tools, and so I have no way to maintain a level of character development and compare myself to a future self or past self. I can see evidence when I comfort someone I would not normally have, when I speak more kindly, when I'm more inclined to listen to the scriptures or conference talks, rather going to work rather than the, new, the terrible news of the morning. I can see small evidences of the change, but the change of nature itself changes me. And so I really cannot view myself in the two different states. And you know what? The change is often more imperceptible, meaning I feel no significant difference. To me, I only look older in the mirror, but still feel very much like myself. So what, I'm, I, so what I guess I'm saying is that everything in life really teaches us. Learning is a continuous process, no matter where we are, whether we have a mental illness or not, whether we are deep in an episode. If we allow the Lord full access to our life to direct it, 
then he could teach us through those things that we suffer. Now, I suppose that we could also learn through those moments of plenty and comfort, but the lessons are less durable and poignant. Now, we do need rest. A mind and a body need rest and recovery in this world, and I don't think that we have to seek out suffering so we can learn. But we should not always take the easy road either. Sometimes we need to seek out a difficult challenge, service, and projects outside of our zone of comfort rather than sticking to the known and comfortable. But seeking the actual suffering, it just doesn't feel right or make sense. Besides, we are likely to see our share of suffering without asking. But we can learn to endure it better, especially when asking for relief and and especially when the Lord has said no or not yet. We may not be able to fully recognize the lessons and the expansion of our spiritual capacities when the learning is in progress. However, we can ask to have eyes to see and ears to hear and understand what the Lord is trying to do in our lives. He may not and is not likely to give us everything, but he may give us enough to get through. What we should desire most of all is to never murmur our way out of an important learning experience. And we can actually do that. Murmuring stunts learning and progress, and the Lord may remove the learning experience to our detriment. So while we shouldn't ask for those difficult, heart-wrenching moments, we should not murmur them away either. In the end, I guess that my real point is that we need to view life from the perspective of learning. I'm not saying that in the midst of an anxiety attack or an episode of depression that we need to say or ponder what we're learning. That is probably asking a little bit much. But one can look into the past and perceive those moments where learning has occurred. And I'm guessing that you will find, as I did, that those difficult, deep moments of trial and burden actually produced the greater results. May the Lord always be with you at your side, and may you do your part so that he can do his. We will talk to you next week.